Okay, that's in the Old Testament there. Second Chronicles chapter number 20. And uh, again, try to be any place uh, tonight. And that'll be about all the announcements we make. And uh, again, visitors, appreciate you being here. <clears throat> and uh, I trust that the people in the singing has been a blessing to you. But it's kind of downhill from here on out, okay? Let's stand. Second Chronicles chapter number 20. Second Chronicles in chapter number 20. And this is the portion of Scripture. I apologize for that uh, on the microphone here. This is a portion of Scripture of uh, the history of God's people under the 25-year rule of a man by the name of Jehoshaphat. And he was one of the nation's greatest leaders of all time, a great military leader. And uh, he built an army of over a million soldiers and fortified a lot of cities. Um, he was not a perfect leader because he made an alliance with a man by the name of Ahab uh, to take on the Syrians. Uh, but then Ahab was killed, so Jehoshaphat barely escapes. And you can read about all that in the previous chapter. But here in chapter number 20, I want to read a few verses this morning in your hearing. Second Chronicles chapter number 20, verse number one said, and it came to pass after this also that the children of Moab and the children of Ammon and with them other beside the Ammonites came against Jehoshaphat to battle. Then there came some that told Jehoshaphat saying, there cometh a great multitude against thee from beyond the sea on the side of Syria and behold, they be in Hazaz and Tamar, which is in Engedi. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord. Even out of all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. And Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord God of our fathers, art not thou God in the heaven and rulest not thou over all the kingdoms of the heathen? And in thine hand is there not power and might so that none is able to withstand thee Art not thou God, our God <laughs> who did us drive out the inhabitants of this land before thy people Israel and gavest it to the seed of Abraham thy friend forever? And they dwelt therein and have built thee a sanctuary therein for thy name, saying, If when evil come upon us as the sword judgment or pestilence or famine, we stand before this house and in thy presence, for thy name is in this house, and cry unto thee in our affliction, then thou wilt hear and help. And now, behold, the children of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom thou wouldest not let Israel invade, when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and destroyed them not. Behold, I say how they reward us to come to cast us out of thy possessions, which thou hast given us to inherit. O our God, will thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us, neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. Thank you, you can be seated. I do appreciate you standing. Now, the situation that I just read about what's going on in the nation of Israel uh, will kind of remind us of some problems that we might have in this life. And kind of like Jehoshaphat, they're disturbing times and they're distressful times that's gonna come in the life of every saint of God that are bring us to a place 
where we do not know what to do. And uh, I will make a guarantee. People say, you cannot make guarantees, preacher. You, you can't make those kind of guarantees. I'll guarantee you one thing this morning. I will guarantee you that there are no guarantees, all right? That is, that is my guarantee this morning. There are no guarantees that if you get saved by the grace of God, does not mean all your problems are gonna go away. What it does mean is there'll be somebody to help you through your problems. But Jehoshaphat finds himself in a place where we'll find ourselves at, on an individual basis and uh, as a church. And I, I thought about this, and I, I can't remember, but there was a Rock of Ages missionary, and, uh, and he would preach over and over. He would preach a message on what to do when you don't know what to do. He had preached it so many times that there was kind of a running joke. They said, brother, are you gonna preach again on what to preach when you don't know what to preach? And so he preached that what to do when you don't know what to do. I think probably every preacher at one time or another has preached this, but I want to preach this morning on what to do when you do not know what to do. Because there's going to be some times in our lives where we do not know uh, what to do. And life is full of surprises. And I sometimes I like surprises. I really do. There's some good surprises and there's some bad surprises. Uh, but there's going to be some surprises in these lives, uh, the life that we live that you do not expect. Many of the greatest fears that we'll face in our life are going to come from places that you did not expect it and you did not know where it was going to come from and it surprised you and it startled you and it caught you off guard. But aren't you glad just like Jehoshaphat and the nation of Israel, what they were facing did not catch God off guard. What they were going through did not take God by surprise. I'm glad in 2022 in the day and age in which we live we've got a God that has never been caught off guard and he's never been bamboozled and he's never been hoodwinked. He's never been caught by surprise he knows what's going on in our life and he knows what to do. Sometimes me and you just don't know what to do. But I thought about in John in chapter number six and verse six, I'm talking about Jesus Christ. Said This he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. You know what Jesus did and there with the lad and the lunch? He let them get in a situation where he had to do it or it was not gonna get done. And I tell you, if you've been saved any amount of time, you're gonna realize there's some things that's gonna get out of your hands. And there's some things where you're not gonna know what to do and you're going to scratch your head and you're going to try to figure out what to do but just like Jehoshaphat he said God we don't know what to do and so I want to preach on that a little bit about what to do when you don't know what to do and here's the thing the first thing that will happen in our lives when we face things where we don't know what to do the enemy will begin to mess with our minds the enemy will come in our mind and I tell you brother Mike if you've ever testified in the will of God you testified in this morning there's going to be problems and issues that's going to come up what we've got to understand is that enemy is against us. The Moabites and the Ammonites, they were coming against the people of God. And buddy, that's just the way it's going to be. If you think this is a playground, if you think this is just going to be buttercups and lily all the time, it's not going to be that way. Honey, there's going to be battles. Uh, there's going to be a war. Uh, there's going to be skirmishes in this Christian life because the enemy does not like the people of God. And we just need to mark that down. That's just the way it's going to be. But thank God, aren't you glad that you're on the winning side? And I, you know, the adversary, he, he consumes us sometimes with fear of the unknown. How's this going to go? How's this going to work out? And a lot of times you don't know what to do. But listen, I'm glad, thank God, God knows what to do. He knows the end from the beginning. He knows what's going on in our life. And when you've got fear in your life, you are going to be dominated by that. I think about how many times we might have been caught 
caught off guard. Or maybe sometimes, you know, somebody may say, well, uh, you know, what do you think about this? Or what do you think about that? And I found this out. I said this in Sunday school too. I said, listen, if somebody come to me this morning and said, Brother Andy, I think I'm going to transition over uh, to the Mormon. I'm going to join the Mormon church. What do you think about that? I think I could probably immediately answer that and say, Brother, I don't think that'd be a good idea if you did that. Other than that, and now if you call me and say, Brother Andy, I want you to pray about something, don't you expect me to answer you back. You may think he didn't hear me. You may think he's not going to answer me. I tell you, I have found out that you knee-jerk will not work. You can't make a knee-jerk reaction in your life and I can't either. And I found this out. You're gonna have to pray and you're gonna have to seek the face of God when you don't know what to do and let God do the work and let God handle it. Sometimes a preacher is gonna have to handle it, but I'm telling you, if we can get it out of our hands and put it into God's hands, it will be handled correctly. It'll be handled right. And thank God he'll do a good job of it, amen? And I'm telling you, we're in a battle and the times where we need to realize that we are facing a foe and he's gonna attack our minds and sometimes it's a surprise attack. Sometimes the adversary can be hiding in plain sight and sometimes he'll come out of nowhere but there's no crisis or no circumstance that can overwhelm our God, amen? God holds it all together and he knows every situation in our life. All right, so what to do when you don't know what to do? First of all, I want you to look. There's, they resorted to one place. Verse number four said, and Judah gathered themselves together to ask, help of the Lord, even out of the, all of the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Uh, where did they do that? i tell you what they did. Uh, they did that down at the house of God. And I'll say this this morning, when an invasion begins to come, an attack begins to come against the church, he exhorted the people to get down to the house of God. And I'm telling you, when it came to fighting, uh, he led down Judea and to Judah, and he said, let's go down to the house of God, let's get together, let's lean on one another and I'm telling you that's always the right thing to do. Thank God for the church this morning and I didn't say worship center and thank God listen I didn't say family death center I said the church. I didn't say the social club. I didn't say the one act play. Praise God I said the church amen. God died for the church shed his blood for the church went to Calvary for the church. Thank God for the church amen. I mean people run the church now and say well these hypocrites at the church and so and so ain't real at the church. I'm glad, thank God, listen, the best news I ever heard, I didn't hear it off the TV, I didn't hear it off the internet, the best news I ever heard, I heard it because of the church, amen. Amen. Thank God for the church this morning. Hebrews 10, 25 said, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. I tell y'all help me this morning. When I look throughout the house of God, some of you don't feel like being here and some of you is getting over all kind of stuff, but you've come on to the house of God and it, it encourages us. It helps us to know how that praise God, you're with us, you're for us and you're for the church, amen. That's right. First Corinthians chapter one and verse one. He said, Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and Sosthenes our brother unto the church of God which is at Corinth to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus called to be saints with all that in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. I mean, here's what he's saying. He said, unto the church of God which is at Corinth. Hey, listen, I'm not just talking about the church, the, what somebody would call well the body of Christ. I'm talking about the visible people. He preached 
to a church in Corinth and he thanked God for the church in Corinth. I'll, I'll say this. Hey, if you're going to go to church, there's going to be some problems and there's going to be some problems. But honey, you ain't say You start studying what they had going on in Corinth. Hollywood couldn't make that up. I mean, they had a lot of issues in Corinth. I want to thank God this morning, Miss Jimmy. There's a lot of battles that I don't have to face. There's a lot of things that I'm not going to have to deal with because the man of God dealt with it before I ever got here because he dealt with issues. But there's different issues in the day and age in which we live. Thank God for the church to come and get things right. Amen. I mean, listen, by the providence of God, you're able to assemble yourself in a church that was not hatched up it was not something that just came up. God started the house of God. They went down to God's house. They didn't go down to somewhere where somebody got mad and took their little bat and ball down the road and got mad because they couldn't get their way and got upset. It got started right and praise God by the, by the grace of God, it's going in right. Amen. I'm just telling you, that's the way that it's got to be. Ephesians chapter number four. You can list the gift. You can read the gifts. And they're used to prepare God's people for works of service. So the body of Christ, you can read all this. This is in Ephesians four, that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. That happens at the rapture. That's not going to happen until Jesus comes. I mean, listen, if the church is not for growth and spiritual, I'm not talking about getting to a place where you feel like you got it all under control. I'm not talking about getting to a place where you think you've reached this particular milestone or this particular plateau. My Bible tells me in Ephesians 4 that we are to grow that we are to go, that we are to be established. And I tell you how you get established and that won't happen until Jesus comes. It says until we come to the fullness of Christ, that's not gonna happen until Jesus comes. And thank God he's coming, amen. But that's not gonna happen until he comes. People say, I tell you what, I, I'd like to come to this church, but I gotta get my life cleaned up. I gotta get everything together before I can come to this church. I mean, listen, honey, what do you think we are today? We're all a work in progress. That's what the church is for. It's to get some things right in our life. It's not right. It's to let the pastor, it's to let the ministers, it's to let the people minister to one another and exhort one another until we see, I mean, Christ. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. Not less, but more. You know, we're everybody in here, we're just a bunch of people that need some help. Amen, we are. <laughs> amen, I, I thought I'd gotten more, more amens than that. That's right. Ephesians 3.20, now unto him that's able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. But the next verse is unto him, be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end, amen. So when you don't know what to do, just stay in church, amen. Stay down at the house of God. God will do something for you and God will help you if you just hang in there, amen. Not only resorted to one place, but they responded by prayer. When you don't know what to do, i tell you what you need to do. Before you talk to anybody, you need to pray about it. Amen. The Bible said in verse number, verse number four, and Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord. When you don't know what to do, God's getting you to a place where you're helpless, but when you're helpless, there is hope. When you get to a place where you don't know what to do and you don't know how everything's going, thank God, ain't you glad that you can pray? I mean, listen, we feel like we're surrounded by problems. You know what we do? We, we, we're prone to act without thinking. 
We're prone to immediately, I mean immediately go into defense mode because we have that sin nature inside of us. I mean, every one of us, our federal head is Adam. You can chase it all the way back and we all have that about us. We want to defend ourselves. We want to stand up for ourselves. And I know, listen, you know, people say, we can't let nobody run over you. Can't let nobody run roughshod over you. Well, my Bible talks about Jesus Christ. It talks about him though, though he was reviled. He reviled not again. Amen. You know what the preacher did, Miss Jimmy? I tell you, I, I'm talking about a, 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 a renewed appreciation for your husband. In fact, you know, he said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to leave her gun in the corner. Amen. I, I mean, listen, you learn by, you've learned that. We learn that. Honey, I tell you what you do. Uh, you mark this down. God will vindicate you. And God will make everything right. And he'll show, you mark this down, friend. If we'll do what we're supposed to do and pray, you know what the Bible said? The Bible said, be careful for nothing. And we'll try to solve our problems by our own power, by our pushing and a pulling and a tugging, a st- struggling and a, and a tugging. I told you, sir, that preaching is a weak point, amen. We struggle, we pull and we tug and we try to fix every problem. That don't work. I mean, I'm telling you this, when he gets out of your hands and you get it into God's hands, you're in good hands with Jesus. I mean, you don't have to worry. You say, what kind of insurance you got, amen? I got the peace of the rock, amen? That's right, life, health, auto, home. Like a good neighbor, Jesus is there. Amen. That's right. I mean, listen, but no prayer. Push every button, tug, and just keep on, but we don't pray about it. The Bible said, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That's not just a verse we quote. That is the truth. That is something, honey, you can hang your hat on. Be careful for nothing. You know what that is in the Greek? Write this down in definition. Nothing means nothing. That's what it means. It says be careful for nothing. Don't let anything shake you up. I promise you this, we think one of our three cars is tore up. We're right in the middle of Daniel's 73th week, right in the middle of the tribulation period. Honey, Jehoshaphat and the people of God, they're in the place where the enemy's coming. They're gonna be attacked and he does not know what to do. I ask you a question. Have you prayed about the situation in your life? Amen? That's right. Jeremiah 33 and verse three, call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Have you prayed about it? Jehoshaphat said, God, I don't know what to do, but I like this. Here's what he said. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord. Sometimes fear will drive you to a place where you need to be. You say, what you talking about? I'm afraid we got people in here that hunt bear with an old recurve bow and arrowheads on the end of a stick. They hunt bear with that. They've killed bear with that. I'm telling you, if I go bear hunting, it's 30 alt six. 288, 492, and any other gun and the highest caliber I can get with holler point bullets, and then I'm gonna have mace, bear spray, anything else I can get my hands on. If I'm gonna go bear hunting, if I'm gonna do that, I'm gonna have everything that I can have. I'm gonna have everything in my weaponry to try to take care of that. But listen, I, I said that to say this. There's some people 
that, that, that they're just not afraid. Fear will drive you in the right way. I'm not talking about being afraid. I'm not talking about being consumed by fear about what's going to happen next. But I tell you what, I'm afraid to go bear hunting with a, with a hickory. I'm not going to do that. I'm afraid to go bear hunting with a bow like that. I'm not going to do it. I, I'm, listen, I'm afraid to get up in a tree stand and, and just jump out of it because I know that there is a law of gravity. This ain't going to be good. So fear can drive you, but make sure that it drives you to the right place. Make sure that you're not overwhelmed by that fear. Sometimes fear will drive you to God, amen. I'm telling you, hey, listen, sometimes it's just gonna do it, but I like this. Verse five, and Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of Judah and Jerusalem. Here's what Jehoshaphat said. He said, I don't know what to do, but he said, one thing I do know to do, and that is to stand. Jehoshaphat stood. He didn't go there and lay down. He didn't run in there with the mully grubs and say, boy, I tell you what, what in the world are we gonna do? We got it so bad around here. Everything's so tough around here. No, Jehoshaphat said, listen, God put me here and I'm standing. He went down there and he stood, amen? He said, if I'm gonna face a problem, I'm gonna still be standing when I face it. Amen? I'll say this. If I'm gonna face a problem, trouble, issue in this life, I'd wanna be standing with somebody that's standing. I wanna face it, amen? I thought about the apostle Paul when he was on that boat in Acts chapter 27. They went through Eurachlodon. I mean, listen to that. That's a bad sounding name right there. But I'm telling you, if, I wanna get, if I'm going through a storm, I wanna go through one with a man of God. Amen? And I'm telling you this, you're gonna have to hang in here, amen? And he stood. Back in 1869, conventional wisdom would say, and this is an illustration, that the passage through the Grand Canyon on the Colorado River was impossible. It could not be done. The backcountry surrounding the Grand Canyon had a lot of doomed expeditions. A lot of people tried to go through it and did not make it. No one had ever dared to go through that stretch of river and come out alive. Out of all of the expeditions that had been given and that they had taken, everybody turned around, gave it their best shot, but there was not, they either turned around, but there was never any survivors. There was one army lieutenant who had explored the Colorado just on the southern side of the Grand Canyon. He believed the river was so treacherous that, quote, the Colorado, along with the greater part of its lonely and majestic way, shall forever be unvisited and undisturbed. That's what this man said. But there was a one-armed explorer by the name of John Wesley Powell. And John Wesley Powell, Powell said, you know what? I think we can do it. If I get some good men around me, we can do it. Everybody said it can't be done. Everybody said you can't get through there. Everybody said it is too much for you. But a one-armed man by the name of John Wesley Powell said we can do it. Powell had enlisted in the 20th Illinois Volunteers and he was, he was uh, promoted to a second lieutenant. It was for the time he was stationed in Cape Girardeau and as a captain of Battery F of the 2nd Illinois Artillery, <laughs> he took part in the Battle of Shiloh, losing his right arm in battle. But you know what he did? He kept fighting, and he kept going. 
On May 24th of 1869, Mr. Powell, along with a party of nine men, stepped into their four small boats to attempt the thousand-mile journey. Along the way, their party encountered numerous surprises. They faced killer rapids they did not expect. They faced waterfalls they did not expect. There were rocks <coughs> that would fall from the cliffs that were, quote, unquote, the size of cabins. That's a big rock. They lost their tools. They lost their instruments. Yet 100 days later, Powell and five men emerged from two boats. All hope for their survival had been given up weeks before. They were suffering from exposure and near starvation, but they had made it. Somebody asked, what happened to the other four men? He said one decided to go back. The other three, after numerous disagreements with Powell, left the expedition. He said they hiked to the rim of the canyon only to be killed by the Indians. Now listen, I, I don't mean that because I'm, I mean, listen, I think my great-great-grandmother was full-blooded Cherokee. So I mean this nothing uh, toward the Indians, all right? You, you understand that. That's nothing derogatory uh, toward the Indians. But what he was doing, he said, listen, if you'll just stay with us, and if you'll stay in the ship, if you'll stay in the boats, I promise you it's going to be better on the other side. But some of them said, no, we can't do that. And I tell you what they did, they got took out by the Indians. What Jehoshaphat is doing in the text, if you will, he's trying to keep the Indians from getting them. He's trying to keep them all together. He's trying to keep them at the house of God because he understands the enemy is after them. Sometimes it's gonna take, you're just gonna have to stand and you're just gonna have to hang in there and you're just gonna have to understand that this is the way that it's gonna be. And i tell you what he did. He looked back and, and recalled God's intervention. You read the text and you see what he did. He said, God, you did this and God, you did that and God, you took care of Abraham. I'm telling you, church, he is not just the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. If you are saved by the grace of God, he is your God. Amen. He's not the God of the dead. He is the God of the living. And he said, and that, that song was on my heart, I don't believe he'll fail me. Just a few steps from home. And I asked Brother Paul, I said, can you have your family sing that? Jehoshaphat said, God, you brought us this far and you're not gonna fail us this close to victory. Verse number 13, the Bible said, and all Judah stood before the Lord. Jehoshaphat stood Verse 13, and all Judah stood before the Lord, and I love this verse, where their little ones, their wives, and their children. That's good, ain't it? You don't, you don't, have, you don't need the Hebrew to figure that out? I don't have to tell you what that is in Hebrew language. Let me read it again. And all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. You know what it said? They said, Joe's fat, count me in. Count me in. Wives, children, little children, everybody. Here's what he said. I'm gonna read it again. Man, this thing jumped off the page at me. And all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives and their children. Little bitty ones who didn't even know no better. Didn't even know no better. I've been here long enough. I've been here long enough. Been here long enough to watch y'all. Cohen, 
I mean, what are you now, about 6'12", something like that? I remember when Cohen was just a little bitty boy. Hey, I, I remember. I remember that. I remember when y'all were just little. You know what? I've seen what happened. You wouldn't be here today. Y'all wouldn't be here today without you had a mom and daddy. Said, you know what? We're standing for God. We're going to stand with you, the little ones, the children, and everybody else. God honors that. God blesses that. I know I'm in a tough spot because I'm the preacher. But right is right. Amen. Right is right. That's right. What to do when you don't know what to do? I'll tell you what you do. If you don't know what to do and you're in confusion right now and you don't really understand, I'm telling you what, I am not in confusion. And I am 100% sure we're right on schedule where we need to be. Not confused one, one iota, not one bit. I'm 100% sure that we're marching on. I'm 100% sure of that. Amen. And I, listen, I understand things get discussed and I know that in prayer between a husband and wife. I know things get, I know things get discussed, but that's as far as it needs to go. Right, let me read the Bible. Proverbs 6, 16, these six things doth the Lord hate. Yea, seven are an abomination unto him, a proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift and running to mischief. Verse 19, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among the brethren. Verse 14, then upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benai, the son of Jeel, the son of Madani, a Levite of the sons of Asaph came the spirit of the Lord in the midst of the congregation. You know what that tells me right there? Jehoshaphat didn't have to do it all. Somebody stood up, Brother Mike, I'm telling you. Somebody stood up. And you know who that was that stood up? It was a young preacher. And you did that today. Praise God. You needed a break on that, didn't you? The spirit of the Lord. I didn't plan on this. That was my choreographed. The Spirit of the Lord came upon someone and said, I need to say just a word. And it was a young man that had the power of God on him. There you go, Brother Mike, again, man. A young man. And here's what he said. He got up with a touch of God and anointing of God on him and said this. Thus saith the Lord unto you, be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of the great multitude, for the battle is not yours but God's. Amen. If I wasn't so big right now, I'd do some kind of dance, but I'd hurt myself. He said, hearken ye all Judah and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem and thou King Jehoshaphat, thus saith the Lord unto you. Hey, listen, thank God for the people that's in the congregation. You know what they was? They said, listen, and God come upon someone to say, preacher, I want to be a blessing to you. I want to be a help to you. Mr. Jehoshaphat, I want you to know Everything's gonna be all right. That's why we need the church. That's why God sent them down to the house of God. That's why God sent them down there because we need one another. Amen? That's exactly right. When you don't know what you do, when you don't know what you do, listen, let God speak to you. Let God help you. Don't throw up, don't throw up the no. You're not gonna tell me. I tell you what you need to do, be pliable. Be pliable. 
I've heard preaching over the last couple of years. Thank God for preaching. And thank God for a place. And there used to be a time where I'd go to a meeting, Brother Mike, and, and preachers would get up and say, well, I tell you what, I, I'm not here to preach. I, I didn't come to preach this morning. I didn't come to preach today. And I'll be honest with you, in my mind, I'm like, well, bless Pat, I did. I got three messages in my heart. I preach them every one if you'll just let me. Now I understand. I understand how much that I need preaching. How much I need God to speak to me and lead me and guide me in the way. And I'm gonna tell you how he operates in 2022. He does it through preaching. And he speaks to your heart. And he leads you. And here's what happened. Jehoshaphat, he'd been in many battles. Built one of the greatest militaries that's ever been built. But in this situation, he did not know what to do. I'm telling you, when you don't know what to do, it's pretty simple. Stay in church, pray, and say, Lord, speak to me. And God, if I need help, if I need moving, if I need to change, God, deal with me and help me. I promise you, if you'll do that, if you'll do that, God will get you to a place where you can pray and you can be strengthened and you can praise God. I'm done right here, verse 19. And the Levites and the children of the Kohathites and the children of the Korahites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with a loud voice on high. <laughs> Do you know who did that? I know I've been long preaching. Well, I ain't preached for about 35 minutes. Do you know who the Kohathites were and the Korahites were? They come from the sons of Korah. They come from people who went against the man of God. These were the very ones that led in praise. Aren't you glad? Thank God. Listen, it don't have to end up. It don't have to be. You say, well, I come from a generation. All they did was this and all they did was that. Well, praise God, change. Just change it. And listen, because you come from a bad background doesn't mean you can't praise God and you can't bring God glory. And they stood and they praised. Somebody said this, prayer and praise are the two wings of spiritual power. You know what they did? They just went ahead and praised God for what he was going to do. They said, you know what's going to get, it's, it's rough, and it's probably going to get rougher. Second Corinthians, uh, Second Chronicles, I'm sorry, 20 and verse 27, said, then they returned every man of Judah and Jerusalem and Jehoshaphat in the forefront of them to go again to Jerusalem with joy, for the Lord had made them to rejoice over their enemies. You know what they did? They began to praise, they began to sing, and the Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon and Moab. God said, I know it caught you off guard. Tell you what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna set up an ambush against the enemy, and I'm gonna turn it right back on them. And I'm telling you what we do as a church, saints of God, people of God, let's pray. Stay faithful to the house of God. Let God deal with us and lead us. Do not, whatever you do, let it rob you of your praise. Do not let it rob you of your worship. Do not let it, I'm telling you, I have seen it over and over again and again and again. Nothing can overthrow trouble and problems like a good worship service. <laughs> Nothing can take care of the issues like praise and worship. You say, Brother Randy, 
I, I met the different people around here. Who's your praise team leader around here? You're looking at him, amen. You're looking at him. I remember sometimes in the preacher, and of course we had a very unique relationship, Miss Jimmy, and you know, I mean, you've been in the living room, you know. Hannah, you've been in the living room, you know. There's times where I knew what the preacher was facing and nobody knew but us. And I've seen him come in here like a general with his chin up, dragging feet, yeah, down a little bit, hurting a little bit. But I tell you what he did do. And it'd take him a little time to get up here. Son, I pulled it up on YouTube the other day and squalled like a baby. He wasn't moving like he used to move. Couldn't preach like he could preach in times past. But I looked at him, I said, thank God. Thank God for a man of God that had helped me and lead me and love me and lead me in worship. Notwithstanding in this, rejoice not. How many times have you heard him say it? I'd give anything one more time. One more time for him to say, not forsake it. Not when we would stand up and say, rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice that your names are written in heaven. I'd give anything to hear him. It's just don't know me, I'll hear it again. I'll hear it again. There's no doubt in my mind. Somewhere, somewhere, right now, I believe Brother Sammy Allen is up there right now, notwithstanding that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice that your names are written in heaven. We got it bad. We got it tough. No, we don't. Thank God we're on the winning side. We're more than conquerors through God. He knows what's going on. Stay in church, pray, listen to preaching, and praise God. It took me 40 minutes to get that out. When you don't know what to do. Let's everybody stand.